Hello, welcome to Raising Eco Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community and a resource guide for anyone raising kids who care about their mind, body, community, and planet. I'm Laura, your host. I'm mom to a six year old son, and half the time, I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. Sometimes I feel super lost and alone, and that's where this podcast comes in. Well, thank you so much for being here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Raising Eco Minimalists. I am, of course, your host, Laura, and I am so thankful that you are here today. I know that you've got a lot on your plate, and I just sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen and share this space with me. So whether you're new, you've listened to a few episodes, or you've listened to all of them, thank you so much. As with all solo episodes, I've got a couple of announcements to share. The first is that I am going to be hosting a free workshop It's going to be in mid-August, and it's going to be about how to talk about climate change. Studies show that like the vast majority of of people, I think it's something like 74%, are concerned about climate change. But when you look at the statistics for how many people have actually talked to a friend or family member or neighbor about it, that is drastically lower. And I think that we feel like we need to be experts in the topic to be able to talk about it. And that's not true. So this workshop is stemming off from the organization Talk Climate to Me. They hosted a number of free workshop sessions earlier this year, and I went to a number of them. I helped facilitate a small group from it, and I just love how they set up their information, how they share it. They don't shy away from the truth, but they also make sure to leave you feeling hopeful and encouraged and motivated. And the sessions ended, I think, in April, but they now have an opportunity for people to host their own mini workshops. So they're about an hour long, and you watch some YouTube video that they have put together with all of their key information, which is really good. And then you have a discussion about steps to move forward. So I will be hosting that again mid-August. And if you want to stay tuned to that, then definitely sign up for my email list. I will put the link in the show notes and you'll be the first to know and be able to sign up. Speaking of my email list, if you haven't already, I would highly encourage you to take my sustainability quiz. So what's your sustainability personality is what it's called. And you, it's about nine questions, free, super quick, and you will get a result that will help direct you into a realm, I guess, of 
how you can contribute to climate crisis action. So for example, I am an educator. I like sharing information. I like writing. I like researching. And that's how I contribute to the climate crisis because we can't do it all, right? There's too much. And so we all have strengths and talents and hobbies, and we all have different things to contribute. And we need all of that because then we can cover the whole gamut instead of just all trying to fit into the same mold and only tackling one slice of the pie. So that will, that quiz will help you determine where you fall in line and also give specific suggestions on how you can move forward with being active in the movement. The final piece that I want to talk about today is I wanted to share a couple of reviews. So as you probably know, ratings and reviews on the podcast platform that you use, if it takes those, is super important for getting the podcasts that you enjoy in front of people who may not already know them. So lots of ratings and reviews tell Apple or Spotify to that, hey, this is a great podcast and we should be promoting it more. So take the time. It only takes a couple minutes. Rate and review your favorite podcast as well as Raising Eco Minimalists if you haven't already. I have links on how to do it for Apple and Spotify in the show notes if you aren't sure how. So the first one I'm going to read is from WellnessGal85. They say, sharing the show with everyone. Such important conversations for little ones. Smiley face. The next one says, so helpful as a mama. This is so helpful now that I am a mom who wants to raise aware children. And that one is from M.O. Kel. So Wellness Gal 85 and M.O. Kel, thank you so much. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for taking the time to leave a rating and review. It truly helps and it means a lot. So, all right, let's get into today's topic. So we are talking about mental health, which is something that's super important to me. I firmly believe that the mental health stigma sucks and should be completely broken down. I have done a lot of work in sharing my own story and trying to talk about it as often as I can on social media and in my blog. I've written a lot about mental health and sharing people's stories to help normalize it on the blog, which is Reduce, Reuse, Renew, by the way. And it's just really, it's something that's really important. I serve as a committee member on a mental health committee for my county's public health office. And I just think it's so important that we normalize it for these upcoming generations. And obviously that includes our kids. So if you want to hear a little bit more about kids' mental health, I did an episode on kids and anxiety from my own perspective and own experience with my son. And you can check that out in the earlier episode, maybe episode four, probably should have looked that up, but it's one of the earlier ones. But I just kind of share what we have tried to do on our own family and for our son. So, all right, 988. What is it? Well, 988 is a new number that is going to be taking effect on Saturday, July 16th, 2022. And it is a short code number for the suicide 
mental health and substance abuse crisis lifeline. So if you're familiar with the suicide lifeline, the 1-800 number, this is essentially a shortened version of that similar to 911. I think it's great that this is rolling out. It's so much easier to remember, especially if you are experiencing a crisis and don't have the mental capacity to look up the 1-800 number or dial it or anything like that. 988 is so much easier to remember. And it's also super easy for us to teach our kids, similar to 911. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about 988, why it's important, share some key pieces about it. And then to in, in order to show the full picture, I am going to be sharing some of the cons about it. It has rolled out in a few select areas. And I wanted to just share some of the hiccups that they have experienced with it. But I just think it's such an important piece that I really wanted you to be aware about because you can not only call for yourself or their kids, your kids can call for themselves, but they can also call for others. So if they have a friend that they're worried about or a parent or anybody, they can just call this number. So I wanted to share that according to the Department of Health and Human Services, and they're the ones that manage the lifeline, the 1-800 one, suicide is the leading cause of death in the U.S. It took 46,000 lives in 2022, which is the equivalent to one every 11 minutes. And we know that suicide rate in kids, especially LBGTQA plus or trans kids is increasingly high and has been increasing, I know, at least since the pandemic. So this is such an important resource. And again, that's why I wanted to talk about it. So because I'm not an expert in this and it is such a serious topic, I don't want to give out wrong information. So I looked at a number of different resources about it and ended up finding an FAQ page from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. And I'm basically just going to be using that as my main resource. So I'll link to it in the show notes, but I'm just going to be giving you kind of the key points of it. And and then if you wanted to look deeper into it later, you can. But again, I'm, I'm, I normally don't read from resources when I do episodes. I do my own research and put all that stuff together. But with such an important topic, I want to make sure that I'm providing correct information from a legitimate source. So <laughs> thank you for understanding. All right. So the 1-800 suicide mental health crisis number launched about 17 years ago. And they, I think, finally realized that it would be much more beneficial to have shorter, easier to remember number. So that's right that when you call 988, you don't need to, it doesn't go right to a police. So when you call 988, starting July 16th, you will get a recorded message or brief and that is when it's taking the time to identify your location by area code. And then it routes you to your local Lifeline Network Crisis Center. So I will touch a little bit more on this later, but this is could be countywide. It could be regional. It really just depends on how your state is set up 
into where they're routing these calls. So it might not be in the same city that you're in, but regardless, they're trained crisis counselors that who will be answering the phone. And so they'll be able to help. So as I said, you'll, you'll get a trained person that will be answering the phone. They'll listen to the caller and they will be able to determine how to provide support, give resources, and in rare cases, alert medical professionals to come if needed. I will talk a little bit more about it later, but that number is actually pretty low as to when that has to happen. The languages that will be available for 988 or through 988 will be English and Spanish, and then they will be using something called Language Line Solutions, which will be providing translation services in over 250 additional languages. So hopefully they'll be able to assist people that speak a wide variety of languages and not just English. 988 will also have a text and chat option. So the chat option is only English language and it's also only available through the Suicide Prevention Lifeline chat page. So you have to go online and do it, but you'll it'll be the same process where you'll be connected to a trained counselor and they'll be able to assist you. When you text 988, it's also English only at this point, and they will route you to somebody from the Lifeline Crisis Center and, again, be able to assist you, provide resources, etc. They are hoping to be able to roll this out in the, in the future to expand it more to other languages and also just more accessibility for the chat and the text. But right now... That's kind of the process. The Lifeline has been shown to be really effective, and so they are anticipating that this will be effective as well. The callers are shown to feel less depressed, less suicidal, less overwhelmed, and more hopeful after speaking to a Lifeline crisis counselor. A small percentage of Lifeline calls will require activation of 911, which it sounds like 988 and 911 will complement each other. It's a little unclear as to how that will happen yet, but I think in any case, the person that you're talking with will be able to dispatch 911, either by manually calling themselves or if they have some sort of system that integrates with the other the statistic is that it's less than 2% of lifeline calls require connection to emergency services like 911. So that's good news and shows that the, the lifeline does work. One common fear with these types of crisis hotlines, and I mean, one that I've had as well, is that you'll be hospitalized or admitted somewhere. But the Lifeline Crisis Center has a policy that they work with you through active engagement to provide support and assistance and resources for people at risk in the least restrictive setting possible. So just because you call doesn't mean they're going to admit you. One thing that I think is a little disappointing is that 
it doesn't seem like the 988 number is super accommodating for those hard of hearing or blind at the moment. It's something that they're working on, but it says that they currently serve TTY users either through their preferred relay service or by dialing 711 and then the 1-800 number. Again, they do offer services through chat and text, which you could do through your own system again, but they are in the process of expanding to video phone services, which they hope will better serve deaf or hard of hearing individuals that are using 988. One other thing that is really important is that the 1-800 lifeline will not go away. So both will still be active and both are actually recommended to be used. And I will touch on that in just a moment, but you can use both and they will both still work. So that's really important to remember. The final note before we get into some of the cons that have come up are that this is not just a hotline for somebody feeling suicidal. This is for if you're feeling like you're in an emotional crisis, a panic attack, a substance abuse crisis, any sort of thing that is making you feel like you need to talk to somebody, they will accommodate. So it's called the suicide lifeline often, but they are trying to get the word out that it's not just for people that are feeling suicidal. So I wrote a piece that where I interviewed a counselor from the crisis helpline or the crisis text line. And that's the, they said a similar thing that people have the misconception that it's for people who are feeling suicidal and that's not true. So that's when you're teaching your kids about this number, it's important to tell them this information as well, that it's for anybody. So if a friend is having a panic attack and needs some resources or help, they can call. If a friend is feeling suicidal, they're concerned, they can call. Um, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I just wanted, really wanted to stress that point that it's for anybody that's feeling like they're in a crisis. So Again, I will link to this resource that I'm kind of referencing here. They really go into the nitty gritty. They talk about privacy policy and all, you know, locations and all sorts of things. So if you're concerned about any of that, you can check out the resource, which is really in depth here. So... Let's get into some of the hiccups or roadblocks that have occurred from from this so far. So the Biden and Harris administration provided federal money to roll this out initially, and it passed. However, once that money was used up, it is up to the states now to fund it. So I know that's like a really, really simplistic viewpoint of it, but that's not necessarily the content that I feel like we need to focus on right now. So so I, the important thing to note, though, is that it's up to the states to fund this project. So as you can imagine, this is where some of the issues are coming in. So... 
according to some of the areas that have already rolled it out, they've run into some issues where they're not properly funded, they're not fully staffed, and they really don't know how it's going to roll out. It hasn't really been promoted very well, the number, but they are still really excited about it. So the there's a psychologist who works for an association that is involved with this rollout, and they found that 16% of people surveyed have budgeted for this project. So that's talking about the states. So a lot of places have short-term funding, but they don't know how they're going to fund it long-term. So it's, I think, in my opinion, it's important to A, research your state, what they've done to prepare for this, and how much money they've set aside for it, and then start contacting your representatives to support more funding for this, or even just asking them, how did you vote? You know, how are you planning to propose funding for this, etc. For me in Minnesota, they've allocated $1.7 million for it, but they only have four crisis centers in the entire state. And so that's not very much. I mean, we're I think we're a fairly medium-sized state. So it will be interesting. I'm not sure how much they'll need. So that's something that I need to be contacting and finding out. A kind of disappointing statistic is that Illinois was one of the areas that rolled out early and they found that just one in five calls for the 988 number for the first three months that they used it were answered. Then 80% were redirected to other states. Now, this is the lowest in-state answer rate in the nation, and they are lagging far behind the others, but it just shows that they are not really prepared for it. Uh, and the person that they interviewed said that staff would love to answer the phone 24-7, but if they were busy with intakes or other residents, then they wouldn't be able to take the call. So the number is supposed to roll into the national crisis text line. So you call 988, it identifies you based on your area code, routes you to the closest help center, and then if nobody answers there, it's supposed to route you to them the 1-800 national line. But it seems like that wasn't quite happening for some of the locations. It sounds like with these areas that are having trouble, federal funding is being allocated to help. But I mean, (laughs) it kind of sounds like in some areas it's a cluster and I don't mean to be laughing about it, but they just, it's unfortunate that they haven't been more prepared. Congress passed this two years ago. So granted, this was, that was the height of the pandemic, but It's not like this is a new thing that's being sprung on them. So those are really kind of the main issues that are coming out of it. I'm hoping, and it sounds like other professionals 
are hopeful that once the kinks get worked out, it will be a really useful tool. I would be interested to maybe research the rollout of 911 when that happened. I think it was the 60s and how smoothly that went. But I think it's still important to be aware about. I think it's really important to talk about. I think it's important to teach our kids about. I think it's really important that we start asking our representatives about it because that shows that we care and that we want them to do something about it and keep on top of it. So because I do really believe that it's a worthwhile resource to be supporting. So again, I hope that was helpful in just giving you a very brief overview of 988, what it is, how it's supposed to work and help and how it has been shown to be beneficial. And then also some of the unfortunate kinks that have come about with the first couple of states that have used it. And again, hopefully some tips on how to move forward. Just share, talk, share this episode with people. Hey, have you heard about this? Do we know what our state is doing? Do we know how much our state is funding, etc.? Like, where is it being routed to? That kind of stuff. It seems like based on my brief research that local news outlets are starting to pick up the, the story that it's launching on Saturday. But maybe that's something that, again, if you're state, if you've seen nothing, asking your local media or giving them a shout out on Facebook or Instagram, just tagging them in a story, asking about it, maybe they'll do some research for you. So let me know if you have any questions. You can always email me. I'll do my best to provide resources as I can. And yeah, that's all I have for today. I've got some guests lined up in the coming weeks that I'm really excited about. And if you have a topic or a person that you want me to interview or something you want me to research and look into, please feel free to reach out via email or sending me a message on social media. Until next time. Remember, in order to live sustainably, it has to be sustainable for you. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed that episode of Raising Eco Minimalists. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review and a rating on Apple and Spotify. You can find out how to do so in the show notes. Additionally, if you want to reach out to me with questions, comments, reflections on the episode, you're always welcome to do so via my email or any of my social media platforms also linked within the show notes. Finally, please remember that in order to live sustainably, it has to be sustainable for you. Thanks. Bye.